welcome to Blind Guys Chat, where this guy, Oren O'Neill. Hello. And this guy, Jan Bloom. Hello. And this guy, Stuart Lawler. Hello. Talk about the A to Z of life. Well, hello there and welcome to episode number 60 of Blind Guys Chat. Happy New Year to you all. We hope you had a lovely Christmas and a very happy New Year. I was just going to ask you, Jan, what is Happy New Year in Dutch? Uh, We say always uh, Gelukkig Nieuwjaar. Uh, Or we have it also when you do it in dialect Frisian, uh, veel heil en zegen, uh, lock and sign, we say, we say. So so a lot of uh, heil, holy and blessing in a way. Well, it's Frisian here. Uh, yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Oh, freezing. Yeah, really. Oh, my God. I don't know. No, no. Hey, but, but, but we had also a really nice uh, uh, New Year's Eve because uh, Tycho was uh, celebrating it with a lot of firework. And we can still uh, count 10 fingers, you know, and two eyes. So <laughs> a little bit always was, nervous. Was Tycho and, this? <laughs> yeah, he is. He, you know, he is uh, one of those childs uh, who, who love to... Uh, yeah, to uh, play all the videos on YouTube, you know, about all those fireworks. He's an idiot in that way. But <laughs> he also loves to to uh, scroll through all the websites where you could buy it, you know, already oh. from uh, October, wow. November, you know. Even friends of, of his called him, hey, Tycho, what can I buy for this? You know, what is the best uh, choice? So, so uh, it was really cool. Uh, it was also a nice weather here in the, uh, with, um, uh, yeah, with New Year's Eve. So we went to France and it was a uh, good Good, uh, yeah, we had a good outing. Oh, very good. I was going to apologise for uh, Mr. Lawler, who's not here. Um, we and that's oh, why we are publishing. A I slightly... thought it was so nice, quiet. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but, uh, the, the, you know, yeah, he was having a hangover. I think you know. For, <laughs> <laughs> for Stuart. Well, apparently he's <laughs> gone. He, t- he, he yeah, emailed me Stuart, to yeah. say that he was uh, skiing in the Maldives. <laughs> Now, I've done a bit of research, and apparently there's no there's no snow in the Maldives. It is so global warming, wonder, but, but he, not global you know, uh, uh, <laughs> cooling in a way. You know, that you could. It's on the. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. So yeah, Mr. Lawler's not here, yeah. and that's why we're pr- we're publishing a day late because we thought we, he'd get home from the Maldives after skiing, but it turns mm. out there's no skiing in Maldives. No. Anyway, no, no. Uh, so we may, ladies and gentlemen, just to give you a little warning, we may be publishing on a probably will be publishing on a Thursday from now on. Uh, because things are getting a little bit tight for me in terms of the in terms of editing and getting the show done, etc. Yeah. So, uh, sorry if there's any inconvenience caused, but Thursday may be the new release date for any Blind Guys Chat episodes. We're not going to talk too long because we've got a great interview with Mark Pollock coming up uh, very, very shortly. Mark is blind and he's also a wheelchair user, but it's it's a fantastic interview with him and I want to let it run as long yeah. as we uh, possibly can. But I'm just going to um, offer this as a, as a throw it mm-hmm. out there to you, dear listeners. Um, you know the way we talk a lot about holidays and where we've been and where we're going? Mm-hmm. We never actually talk to or ask for feedback from our listeners. No. And I was thinking, because it was the first time that we went to um, we went to Alicante in early December last year, and it was the first time we ever took Larry, and that worked out very well. And I know, Jan, you've taken Chef yeah. uh, on a lot of uh, trips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was thinking that maybe it might be an idea to ask our listeners 
have you got any experiences of, of good holidays where you'd say, oh, yeah, I'd go back to, or I'd recommend this place because, yeah. you know, I had a really good experience. The accessibility was great in the town or city or wherever you were. I had no problems whatsoever. Or I went on a cruise. I know there's a cruise. Stuart has mentioned it a couple of times, but I've never actually researched it. I know there's a cruise around the, the west of uh, side of, yeah. of America where I think one one cruise a year is, is devoted to uh, guide dogs, yeah. to passengers and who have guide dogs. Amazing, eh? So I thought it might yeah. be an interesting thing just to put it out there and see have our listeners got anywhere that they'd recommend and say, you know, if you're visually impaired, be it blind or low vision, Here's a great place to go and think about as going for a holiday for yeah. a little break. Yeah, and also uh, maybe we can also ask what do they? Uh, yeah, what do they do for preparation? Do they always take an, a spare cane with them? You know, or special? Uh, do they prepare anywhere else or whatever? You know, it's always nice yeah, to learn from good. each other. Yeah, and, uh, yeah because sometimes it's scary. Me to take my spare cane. Okay, uh, when we went uh, to Alicante. Yeah. So and thank you, Clara. Uh, I did even uh, had it once, you know, when I we, when we went a couple of years ago uh, on on our way to France, you know, and then we were driving. Uh, I think it was almost in the area of of Paris, and then I was. You think you touch to somewhere, you know, and there you were thinking yeah. to find your cane. And I totally forgot my whole cane, you know. <laughs> <It's>, oh, <no. laughs> so I ordered, uh, so I called my office and I, uh, I asked, you know, okay, can you, you know, we, so uh, I only knew that we were going to, to a camping, you know, on, 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 on a certain area. And there, so please send it to, to that location, you know, but, but yeah, that, that took it a couple of days. In the meantime, Chantal thought also, <laughs> come on, I'm not going to guide you completely, you know. We, 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 we go to a normal shop and then I got a broomstick, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a big wooden broomstick. Oh, and then I was walking there, oh my God, but boink, 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 you know. But at least <laughs> I was independent and I was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Oh, the sound effects are great. Yeah, that it? was totally, <laughs> but, but uh, at first. You were sort of sweeping up as you were going along as well. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, but oh, it was so was... stupid. I felt so stupid, you know. But but then it is so for the for the things you always carry at first, you know. Mm. Uh, I totally forgot. Yeah. I totally forgot. Yeah. It easily happens. It, it's yeah. so easy to happen. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah would well, be lovely. I would I would definitely recommend Alicante because they've they've so many parks. Okay. Uh, mm. Around around the city, mm. you know, in, just in terms of uh, spending and that. Yeah. Uh, for Larry, I hope Larry was t- chuckling away as well when he was looking at all the little small dogs oh. wearing <laughs> their jumpers and their oh. little hoodies. Oh yeah. And it was seventeen degrees of heat. Yeah. <laughs> How is that possible? But very cold for My those little fluffy God. dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Little, yeah, yeah. Little yeah. Dogs. Spoiled yeah. dogs, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they are not real so, dogs. No. So <laughs> have a think, ladies and gentlemen, yep. and and do email us. Drop us, drop us a line at Blind Guys Chat. What's the email again? Blindguyschat <laughs> 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 at gmail Yeah, yeah. Drop us an audio message or a or or an email and tell us, you know. Where are you thinking about going? Maybe where you've been before, yeah. and and why? You know, it's good, it's good for and you your because tips. 
and your travel tips. Yeah, yeah. We we Brilliant. and and also your blindy tips, of course. Not forgetting. Yeah. We oh yeah. Blindy tips. Oh in yeah. A while, so oh yeah. God, that's yeah. Send well, us blindy tips because don't we love forget that your jingle. king. You know, that's already <laughs> one. You know, that's. Uh, <laughs> there we go. We should have we should have played. Yeah, it yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can tune it in. But will we listen to Mark? Yeah, yeah. We we will. Yeah. Uh, but I have to do the usual uh, very very quickly. What's the weather like in uh, Holland? Oh, yeah. yeah, it is amazing. It is so unbelievable uh, warm. You know, it is autumn. <laughs> it is. It's terrible. And 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 really? yeah, yeah, it is too warm. No, well, you know, uh, yeah, it is. It is not normal. Well, sometimes it's also a little bit chilly due to the wind. But it is. Uh, you 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 see the the grass growing growing again. You know, uh, and you see some wow. some birds already making. Uh, nests and then also breeding, yeah. you know, uh, already. Uh, it yeah, is I think nature is a bit confused, isn't it? Because it's the it same year we confused. have cherry trees in blossom. Yeah. And like I have buds, um, leaves coming out on trees that should be yeah. bare for another couple of months. Yeah. And also we are in a delta area. Uh, there is no snow or no snow. A lot, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, less snow in the Alps and, 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 and the glaciers, they are melting. Uh, that means that the uh, rivers like Donau, uh, Rhine, and and um, and and the Waal and and the Maas, etc., who 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 mainly are um, uh, rain rivers and also uh, 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 filled by melting snow and melting ice, yeah. that we are in big trouble in the in the summer again, because they expect even that the Donau will yeah. go uh, easily, uh, yeah, d- d- uh, uh, down in, in a way that 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 it will be completely dry. You know? Oh gosh! Oh wow! Yeah, gosh. can you imagine? Because we we passed that's a river. Scary. Yeah, that's really scary. That's really scary. We we um, passed a river in Cork today, um, yesterday, that had completely burst its banks, and it was right up yeah. in the fields. And a lot of the fields on the way down were flooded. Yeah. Some of them were like lakes. Yeah, so, but, yeah but, but, but that we, is the whole now, now new new nature that we need to uh, keep the rain or the water. You mm. know what we get in the uh, autumn and and winter. Because in the summertime, yeah. when it's dry, um, yeah, you even see now in Saudi Arabia that it's getting green hilly again, you know? It is amazing. Oh, really? Saudi wow. Arabia is getting green. And, uh, um, well, I don't want to be too uh, religious, but, but in the Holy uh, Quran, they say that when Saudi Arabia, when the uh, green, uh, when the uh, hills around Mecca got green, that is an mm-hmm. uh, um, holy indication for the end of the world. Oh, stop. Oh, really? oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Well, now you have yeah. already... Because I have a few things left in life to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do them now. Exactly. Do them now. So now also some, some, <laughs> some, some, some people uh, who, who, who really touch or study the religion or the, the, the Quran, they say, well, uh, you know, you need to read carefully. It, uh, it, it can be also different. But, yeah, you have always uh, yeah, those... Yeah, Interpretation. Exactly. Yeah. And so some diehard, some con- uh, orthodox people, they always think the other way. So, yeah, nature is yeah. really um, in a big... Um, yeah. sending, us, sending us a message, though, isn't she? Yeah. Mother Nature. Yeah, we need yeah. to do something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Urgent. But, but yeah. that's the well, way. We must, we must also say, because we, we know we have some listeners in the U.S., because mm. I know in the U.S., yeah. and particularly in LA, the yeah. East Coast of so. the U.S., they had a terrible time yeah. over Christmas with... Uh, Snow glitches. So, if, you, if you've got any stories about how you got on or how bad it was, yeah. again, please 
blindguyscharatgmail.com. Minus 40 even yeah. eh, was there. Oh, I know. Yeah. And now it is around God, in the area cool. of L.A., floodings, etc., you know, Beverly Hills. Floodings, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I see the people in Montecito had to evacuate. Poor, yeah. poor Oprah Winfrey. Oh, oh, poor lady. And Prince Harry. I and hope Prince that Harry. the limo would, would, would start still, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, otherwise. What <laughs> at the helicopter? She'd probably have to buy a Hummer to get through the floods. Yeah, yeah a city. Hummer. Yeah. Oh, poor lady. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, oh, as nice. I said, we're, we're going to go into our I- interview with, with Mark Pollock. Um, for those of you who may not know, Mark is um, is blind and he's also um, he also is, is wheelchair-bound. Um, Mark was a rower, um in his early life and he was a very very good rower but he took to um when he lost his sight he he took to doing some very uh, um, um extreme expeditions uh, to wow. fundraise and that in marathons in the Gobi desert um Ooh. so the first question i asked mark was why on earth was he doing this yes now i should have a nice little packaged answer for answer for you here i think well we threw mark off straight away uh, yeah, well, this is it. This is it. The the question, the question of why. Um, I certainly know at the beginning and towards the end there were and there were lots in the middle that I didn't really know why I was doing. But I suppose when I lost my sight when I was twenty two and I was just coming to the end of, uh, I was just about to graduate from college and my identity was wrapped up with the things that I was doing and I wasn't studying particularly hard. I hadn't started working yet. So those two things weren't really part of my identity, but socializing and more particularly socializing at the end of racing and racing being in a, in a rowing boat, that was sort of what, what I was all about. It was about racing. And then I was about training hard, doing the races, winning or losing, and then going for a few pints afterwards. So when I went blind, the first thing that I did as kind of part of rebuilding my identity was to get back in a boat and row with and against people who used to row with and, and race against. So it, it was it was about rebuilding my identity really by doing the things that I've been doing before I lost my sight. And about two years into the, the rowing, I had just come to the end of the second season and I met... Uh, Miles Hilton Barber, who uh, with Caroline Casey, and it was back. It must have been, must have been this in the sort of autumn of two thousand and two. And Caroline and Miles and another guy, uh, a guy in a wheelchair, were doing their round the world in eighty ways uh, kind of ex- expedition, and mm. they were raising money for charity and doing all these cool, cool adventures. But anyway, on the Dublin leg, I met this guy Miles Hilton Barber, who was about. 30 years older than me and he had just come back from the from doing six marathons in a week in the Sahara Desert wow and and I was like oh my god that's that sounds impossible and he and he said something to the effect it's my memory so I'll tell you what I as I remember he said it's not impossible because I've just I've just done it and not only that I'm 30 years older than you and you've just won medals at the Commonwealth Games so I was never as fit as you, and I'm 30 years older than you. So it is possible. The question is, is it possible for you? So so I didn't do the Sahara Desert race, but a woman who had won that particular event, she set up this type of format all around the world and um, the Four Desert Series. 
So she's up six marathons in a week in a week in the Gobi Desert, and I sort of did it partly out of that conversation with Miles, partly because it sounded like, despite his words, uh, it sounded like it was impossible. I wasn't doing it to be a blind guy doing it. You know, yeah, I was that's doing, what I'm kind of getting at. Yeah, I was doing it because I was someone before I went blind, after I went blind. Now that I'm paralyzed, I just like being in the mix. I like racing. I like going through. I like the wins and the losses, and I like going for a few pints afterwards. To, you know, to talk about it. Yeah. That's, and, that's, and you still get to do all that, have the few pints. And well, do, well yeah. I, it's look, I've had all versions, Stuart, as I know from listening to your last <laughs> podcast. I've had all, in fact, I've had pints with you. We but, have, uh, yes. You know, to to go out and you know, I can go out and have a pint any day, any day of the week. And they, they, you know, it's the same drink. Often it's the same pub, but they, ta- <laughs> they taste different after doing something difficult. Mm. After yeah. training hard, yeah. putting yourself putting yourself out a bit when it's all too easy. I don't. I don't know. There's there's something different about the celebration. Well, yeah. If you've got something to celebrate, even if it's a win or a loss, if it's a shared experience with other people, whatever it is, it's different whenever you've done that as opposed to just going for a pint. So you obviously had a very active youth. So it didn't just happen. Oh right, I've lost my sight. Now I have to do something to 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 be noticed or or something. You just yeah. like this from from the from an early age. Yeah, well, my my like I didn't come from a sporty family or anything, but my uh, my parents say that I was just I was just like that. And I I used to wear you know I I my detached retinas came from being very short sighted, so I was, I was mm. never allowed to play any of the ball sports. And or contact sports in my school up north, cricket, uh, hockey, rugby. These these were the sports I wasn't allowed to play any of those. So it wasn't when I when I when I turned eleven and twelve, I got into sailing, and more particularly, not just going out. I, I liked racing in the sailing, and then I got into rowing, and I was kind of uh, we won some races, and it was reasonable. I, I, I was better at the rowing than I was at at sailing, so I kind of I kind of got in into that, but. In rowing, in rowing, there's a the the, the O'Donovan brothers who, who yeah. you know, and and mm, now yeah. Fintan McCarthy and uh, and one O'Donovan brother uh, who won the gold in in uh, in the last Olympics. There, that is they have they have two oars each. So quite often those guys are in a single skull, yeah. right? And it's it's a sort of a it's an it's an individual pursuit a lot of the time. And then those guys who are sculling come together in a double skull or a quad, mm. right? But primarily those people are of very single-minded and are highly individually motivated, right? I I wasn't one of those people. I was always in uh, on the other side, which is rowing, where you have one or each, you might be in a two-man boat, but you just have one or each. So you you know you're never on your own. Yeah. A four-man boat, an eight-man boat, and like part of the part of what I liked about sport was, as I've already alluded to a little bit earlier on, it, it was about the training with other people. It was about the, the camaraderie, s- slagging and each other off yeah. and being slagged off. The the shared endeavor, the common purpose, and and then that comes then with your competitors on the other side of the river, um, where you go and. You know, 
you become like I'm friends with loads of guys that I, that I always that I would have raced against. So mm. so for me, part of it, part of it was about that connection with other people and the the Gobi Desert and the North Pole Marathon and the the Dead Sea Ultra. All these sort of more exotic backdrops meant that I could go and travel to play like Northwest Northwest China or or. Um, Jordan or the North Pole and Spitsburg and all these places but I I was there having an experience with other people so the preparation of kit beforehand the getting to meet people from all around the world the racing against them and then and then um the sort of the celebration afterwards it was all all about human competition but more particularly human connection uh, being part of something beyond myself Mark, can I can I ask you maybe bring you forward a little bit to 2010? I mean, I suppose when when you you were coming back, you were kind of maybe at the peak of your racing career. Mm. I think you had just done a round Ireland race, and then you had the fall in London, and you were paralysed. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I suppose lots of people talk about the cruel fate, and you know, I, I I remember thinking at the time, God, Mark has just come to terms with sight loss and has done it really well, and now mm. is a whole new thing to come to terms with, and. People talk about losing sight being just a massive loss and people deal with it in so many ways. And I, who has never seen, can't mm. really conceptualise that. But wh- how, what was the comparison between losing your sight and, and then finding out that you were paralysed? I think with the with sight loss, um, there were no other issues that came with my sight loss. It was just my eyes. Funny enough, my guy, Doug, uh, I, I, when you were doing your introduction, my guide dog was called Larry. So I, I have a, I have <laughs> a, right. yeah. I have a, a real uh, connection with your, with your Larry. I'm sort of cheerleading him along. Oh, you like to lie, lie down on the couch all day as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 well, funny enough, I do. Uh, but, um, you know, get, getting Larry on the white stick and then the, you know, leaning on you, Stuart, for all those years on how to use my technology, getting the iPhone. I'd, I had lots and lots of workarounds, but when I had them in place, it was nearly, you know, I could go and I could go to the South Pole with other people, or I could travel on my own, and I could, I could work, I could do all these things. But with the paralysis, apart from just the shock of nearly dying and being in hospital and not being able to move from my waist down, as as time went on, I discovered that spinal cord injury comes with secondary issues uh that you know not just the access not just the access bit that you can't walk outside your front door and the equipment the wheelchair and all that sort of stuff but all of these secondary problems like literally just getting out of bed going to the bathroom uh having children or not having children all of these secondary mm-hmm. problems that just become way more um just add layers and layers of complexity to life. So I, you know, I'd, personally, I'd, I wouldn't wanted either of them to happen, but the, the, the paralysis is, it's, com- it's complicated, you know. I remember you, uh, and I'm sure you probably won't remember this because I don't know, the whole thing must have been like a blur, but a couple of weeks after it, I think you were still obviously in the hospital and you, you made a call, you because the call, you called me uh, in Dublin. Did I? You, you, yeah, you had a Nokia phone oh, and you were, were trying to get... Money or something? Uh, it was, <laughs> 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 it was doing a fundraiser. No, yeah, you yeah, were... Yeah. 
you were trying to get the talk screen reader onto the phone and I remember thinking, oh my God, this is like, because I suppose at the time, oh, like a, a piece of tech like that was your was your lifeline, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, even to maybe get you, I remember you've talked about in the past, I've been at talks you've given where you've talked about being awake at four in the morning and just writing, yeah. you know, to, just really? to get your thoughts down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I find, I, find I, I actually, um, during lockdown, I had to, I had to move because Seema and my partner, she 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 was going to bed really late and then, you know, getting up at a normal time. I was going to bed like like outrageously early, but then I was waking up in the middle of the night and then I was lying there and I had to wait for the carers to come in so I can't get up and, you know, get a, not wake her up. So <laughs> I, I started during lockdown waking up really early and started I just started to work on my computer immediately and... I wrote, I did all sorts of research and I wrote various workshops, which have turned into hopefully the basis of three courses, which I think will be three, will be three books. But I, I find, I find that working without interruption really early in the morning like that, I, I can, as opposed to lying there thinking about all the thing, you know, the to-do list in my head, just being able to open the computer and get my creative thoughts out to do the writing, to do the research. Mm. It, it, it's at a time then that I just, I just don't have that time during the day when I'm getting distracted by myself or, or, or other people. But certainly in hospital, I didn't have access to Audible. I didn't have my I don't. I don't think I had an iPhone at that at that stage. You know, didn't have access no. to podcasts. So very often, you've got a TV in front of you that's sort of that you can't change the channels on. You don't know what time anything's happening. You've very on the computer. Then I used to get the computer open, but the Wi-Fi was appalling. So it's sort of you're stuck in the bed. But as you know, as as ever, perhaps everyone listening to this, when you when I was cut off from access to the outside world that like that for me was really really difficult uh it would be quite a different experience now i think with with the iphone um and the wi-fi and uh no roaming charges and the the price of it all coming down it would just be a completely different experience and netflix unless of course <laughs> but the bugbear that i've spoken to or about the unless you're watching a netflix show that comes from and the BBC, and they haven't bothered buying the, the audio, audio description. description. Yeah, and we talk about it on this show quite a bit. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm. If there's a campaign, I'd like to join it. <laughs> I think we should start a campaign actually on that. Oren's going to take an action on that. We've got to take an good, action. Good, yeah, right, good, yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? One just you'd mentioned about 2010, and something which, um, which was a, f- a funny thing that happened when I. So the South Pole race was 43 days. It, ben Fogel and James Cracknell, who was a double Olympic gold medal rower and, yeah. and their teammate Ed Coates, they were one team. There, were, there was a Norwegian special forces team and they were making a documentary about the whole thing, right? So it was quite Norwegian, Great Britain, sort of the storyline was like, you know, the Scott Amundsen thing and they were making a documentary and write, writing a book. That was all going on and there was plenty of publicity. And I flew back from South, from Cape Town via London, we're coming to Dublin. And when I landed in Heathrow Airport, I got a call from BBC Radio 4, right? And it was a researcher and they were saying to me, you know, 
well done for getting to the South Pole, but why did you think you should get more coverage than James Cracknell and, and Ben Fogel, right? Now, <laughs> I, di- I didn't... I didn't have. I was in the South Pole with no access to. Yeah, you didn't know like, what anything. Yeah, right? yeah, And what what seemingly had happened is some somebody had written into the Telegraph or something, letter to the editor or something like this, saying that I I should be getting more coverage because I because I was <laughs> disabled, right? You see, uh, or uh, blind, disabled, whatever the language playing was. Playing the blind card on your behalf, man. Yeah. Somebody played the blind exactly, card for yeah. you. Exactly. So so they sort of. They were about to go. They were about to sort of tackle me on, and we did have this kind of conversation. That why did I reckon I was, you know, as we would say up north, why did I reckon I was all that for going to the South Pole? Um, and I was trying to make make the case that I like. Oh, and t- did I think I was a big deal for going to the South Pole? One, and secondly, did me going to the South Pole mean that I would expect other blind people to go to the South Pole and if they didn't that then they weren't pushing themselves or something which was a I, I just couldn't I just couldn't understand crazy crazy yeah the question so so I, anyway with a, with a good conversation on it but but back to my the point was I was really that whole time I was just doing my thing and the races were just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and I was you know, nearly failing, near you know, doing okay in some, not finishing others, and I thought it was such a strange take to have on it. But um, yeah, that's kind of what ha- that's what happened. When you lost your sight, and Stuart and I and everybody who's probably listening to the podcast will identify this, where people when you if I had it recently, were people talking to. Um, your girlfriend or her or whoever you're with at the time in in the third person that kind of saying, does he want a cup of tea? Oh, and and right. and do they do they still do it? Now? Are people still you, doing this? Yeah, do, oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. because I think we all still get that, no matter how oh, long. Big, big time. Like I, I was, um, I I was, I was in I was actually in Germany last week. I was in Dusseldorf, and oh, we yeah. were che- checking in. I I. With with the wheelchair and the blindness combo, I've I've got a care assistant with me all the time, and and we go along. I my my limited job is I hand the passports in, you know. So I hand the passports in. And I don't then, even do that, Mark. <laughs> yeah. And and the lady behind the desk said to uh, Milosh, is is my care assistant from Croatia. You know, she just direct directed all the chat to him. Uh, yeah. is, is he in a manual wheelchair? So, you know, and I'm piping up. Yes, he is. He is. <laughs> no, and you try not to. Like my mum, when I first went blind, you know, did the grabbing a blind guy by the arm to take him across a road. He probably didn't want to go across, and uh, <laughs> in Belfast, and she he gave he gave her a terrible bollocking, you know, and and I. I thought, you know, she was sort of upset by the bollocking and getting it wrong and she was trying to get it right and she was getting it wrong. And I always thought to myself, well, look, even if people take me across a road that I don't want to go across, I'm never going to rage at them because it's an opportunity. Um, Like they're trying, they're getting it wrong, but they're trying. And maybe, maybe I'm okay on that road, but maybe at some other point along the way, that person or another person might come across someone who actually is 
disorientated or lost or I might not be in an area that I'm familiar with. So I sort of saw it as a, I've tried, haven't always got it right, but I've tried not to rage at people who are getting it wrong. <laughs> they're sort of, they're rarely doing it to be nasty, I, I, I don't think. And, and and there is a there is a I suppose you know even though we may not want to be we're all we're always out there educating and there are days we don't feel like educating of course and I'm <laughs> yeah. sure these yes. days we all say things that we we shouldn't say <laughs> just let me go to where I'm going will you please? I know exactly where I'm going. thank you yes yeah. I know I know you're hinting about the what your these workshops and that they may become books what what is the project at the moment well. In a way, I'm doing similar things because in the effort to find a cure or put together a a cocktail of interventions that will ultimately lead to a cure, we're looking at aggressive physical therapy and robotic exoskeletons or wearable robotic legs, Mm. uh, which is sort of, it's like a a kind of carbon fiber suit that you get into with motors at the knees and hips and sensors on the feet and a computer on the back. And as you walk, Whatever you can do with your legs, the robot does less with its motors as you do more with your legs. And I can't do anything with my legs except when I use a device, a spinal stimulator that goes on my spine, two electrodes that push electricity into the spinal cord. And that allows me to to do a little bit with my own legs, my own muscles. So as I do more with mine, the robot does less. And then we'll, over time, we'll, we'll layer other... Uh, Interbrain machine interfaces and perhaps some biological interventions and some pharmacological interventions. But as I've been doing that over the last 10 years, it, it became clear that it was really, the skill sets were really fairly similar to what it took to put the Gobi Desert project together or put the South Pole Race project together. So that is turning up in the gym or in the research lab regularly, consistently over long periods of time, putting teams together, raising money, um, telling the story to publicize the work of the scientists and so on. So that that was a very similar skill set to what I learned in all of the adventure racing. And I do have I do have the then on the on the business side I, I work with leaders and their teams to help them uh, build resilience to collaborate with with other people and then to achieve more so there's a kind of resilience pillar a collaboration pillar and then a, a performance pillar so these are the things that I'm now looking at um looking at the the research in those three areas from a philosophical psychological and neurological perspective to see um you know why we do what we do in those areas as human beings and and or why we don't as the as the case may be i'm moving a little bit from the i'm moving a little bit from the 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 out and out doing like a like it would have been with the with the races and doing a little bit more a little bit more on the thinking side of things and are you finding that as rewarding as being in the south pole or or is it too Um, early to say i i I am I am finding it interesting because I think the first I think the first half I was trying to work out I was growing up and I was trying yeah. to work out what I what I thought about the world and why I was reacting to 
the challenges that I was facing, um, why I was reacting to them in the way that I was, um, and with a belief um, and and the knowledge that the way I was reacting, good and bad, wasn't unique. So the research that I've been looking at is suggesting that for now the the philosophy that I'm looking at, particularly is around Stoic philosophy. Uh, not in Eastern philosophy, so the sort mm. of Greek and Roman Stoic philosophy, and you know they were thinking about how we deal with challenges, controlling what we can control, and rejecting what we can't, looking at what we can influence, and forgetting about what we can't influence. They were looking at that two and a half thousand years ago, and I'm quite sure for longer than that, that psychology in the last hundred years has started to explain a little bit more that it wasn't the gods of various types that we have some agency ourselves. And then neuroscience then is starting to explain that actually what they were talking about and what they were thinking about in ancient Greece, like there's a neurological basis for, for what we can now prove that lots of what they were musing about was, is true. So, so I'm finding it from maybe the first, maybe a lot of the, my twenties and, early 30s was about working out what I thought about the world and and now I'm digging into what other people have have researched about the world so I am finding it interesting. Mark I wanted to just ask you because we're as this podcast is going out or rather will be going out uh, early January people setting goals and New Year's resolutions and thinking about things they want to do in a different way maybe I know you've talked a lot before about kind of goal setting and just that whole process of managing goals, setting realistic goals and yeah. kind of trying to keep to something. Is there anything you can maybe give us some advice? Oh, I'm, I'm, at it, I'm at it again this year, but it's the, it's the constant battle to focus and cut. Like the first thing, to, the first thing that I'm, that I do uh, and that I am doing before I really set the goals is to do a, a kind of a stock take, stock take of what I've been, all the things that have ended up after twelve months, you know, the 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 other things that have appeared along the way, and what I need to stop doing. So the the stop doing list before we uh, move to the goal setting list. That that's the trick, because they're just distractions and interruptions and other great exciting opportunities. Just they appear or thoughts in our heads, or what we could do, or what we could be doing differently. All that mess um, distracts us from getting on with what we really are into or that we want to progress on. So so I think the first thing is to uh, work hard at the stop, the stop doing list, and then uh, then focus on the on perhaps three key things that you want to achieve in the year. That's, that's what I'm trying to do myself anyway. Okay, great advice, and some for our listeners as well. Or yeah, I'm sure you'll take that on board. I will take it on board, and maybe I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll follow in your footsteps, Stuart, and I'll Indeed. stop paying to Netflix and and, and yes. watch it illegally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe that's what we're learning out of this recording. <laughs> yeah, great advice. At the moment, you're you're doing the research, and that's going to uh, concentrate your mind for the next while. Would you think you will do another? expedition or have is have, are you done with that now and um, kind of as you settle into your what are you late 30 now at this stage 25 I'm late, 26 I'm late, I'm, you know I'm, I'm late 40s, <laughs> late 40s now. yeah yeah I, I think so what what I'm doing now um on the 
from the training perspective is um, I'm walking in the robot. I've got the spinal stimulator and um, I also have a hand bike, which I have in the I have just beside me in the in the house here. So I've got a, a hand bike on a turbo trainer in the in the house. One of the things that I'm looking at around this sort of performance and recovery pillar that I, that I'm interested in is in the past, whenever like over hundreds and hundreds of years, whenever people did anything extraordinary, um, they were called mystical experiences because they were linked to the gods of various yeah. types. And then with psychology. Uh, Abraham Maslow found out that loads of people were speaking about extraordinary performances, but they weren't religious at all. And they were having these same experiences. They called them peak experiences. And then in the 60s and 70s, a guy called Mihai Csikszentmihalyi um, started to notice that people were having these peak experiences at work, in sport, at play, in music, everywhere socially being in the zone being in the pocket being in the groove this these experiences where you sort of lose yourself self sense of self or time stands still or speeds up mm. things become effortless you start to come up with answers or do things that that previously weren't possible and he called it um flow states and when you're in this sort of flow state and you get into it in sport, but you get into it in music or you get into it when you're having a good, having a laugh um, and you can get into it in work as well. So coders and gamers get into it, but I, I've got, and this is a long way around of answering your question. I used to get into that state in sport a lot. And then when I broke my back, I couldn't really create the circumstances to get yeah, into that state. Yeah. But now with the bike and the robot, and even I find I, do, I get into it whenever I'm emailing. I'm actually starting to do a study now with a, a, a it's it's a headset called a focus band, and you train yourself up. There's an app now. I'm I'm working with them to try and get the app accessible, so I need a bit of help to to do it. But you can train yourself to get into this flow state where you perform five times better than whenever you, whenever you're not in the flow state, and. I'm going to start in January doing that, using that focus band on my bike and on my robot and when I'm working to see if I can start to create the circumstances where I can do that. Because if you can access flow and you're performing five times better than on a normal day, it means you could, you know, you can work for an hour and then take the next four hours off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so this is what I'm interested in. And, it, and it's not about working harder and harder. It's about working more in a more focused way. Yeah. And part of that requires you to then take recovery seriously. It, it, it It's interesting what you say about flows, because I have certainly experienced, it doesn't happen too much. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's, there's been times when I've been, I might be, sometimes if I want to just switch off, I'll go and play the piano. And then it could be an hour later and I say, I've been sitting here for an hour. Yes. You know, yeah. it, it, you, you really lose yourself yeah. in it. Yeah. That, that's exactly it and and like it's it's actually quite uh you get all the dopamine and the endorphins and serotonin and all these sort of natural high chemical addictive chemicals are in the body but you can only be in that state for relatively short, short bursts of time, of time though, isn't it? Yeah. and then you come out of them you drop out of them and you you could find at the same time sometimes when you go to the piano or you go to your computer 
that you just let you just can't do anything. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. Right. So, so I'm trying to work out, and I'm not very. I'm I'm not good at this. You know, it's so addictive that you want to be there all the time. How do you switch about, it on? Yes. Yeah. And and how do you take enough recovery? Set yourself up to get into these sort of flowy states, recover enough, and etc. Cetera, et cetera. So that's sort of. But it's a crossover between my re- you know I, I want to be doing that in my research. I want to be doing it on my bike. I want to be doing it on my robot. So I'm kind of trying to work out ways how I can design my days to get more flow. That's the excite. I think the interesting thing about it, 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 whatever you're into, you can you can have that state. Now there are sort of two things. They they talk about the that it's not binary. You just don't switch it on enough. There, there's a a struggle phase, which mm. everyone, lots of people never get out of the struggle phase. And then there's a flow phase. But in between those two, there are the the five-minute breaks every half hour, the 10-minute breaks, the lunch break, the, you know, sleeping and all that sort of, yeah. these little little consistent breaks along the way because they release nitric oxide into your brain and body and that pushes out all the stressy hormones leaving room for the flow neurochemicals. So, so you need little tiny breaks regularly throughout the day and you also need time off at the weekends it's this cycle but there so the uh, struggle release flow and recovery that's sort of designing your week or your day with that in mind is one thing and the other thing is there are about 20 flow triggers so flow follows focus so if you've if you really define what you're going to be doing that's a sort of precursor to flow if it's a little bit more difficult than you're comfortable with, that's a good thing. Um, mm. Because if it's not a little bit more difficult, then you just, it doesn't push you. Yeah. And it doesn't push into flow. And there needs to be in a way, if you have an artificial deadline or a real deadline, there needs to be some kind of risk consequence to not doing it. So you can do it artificially or it can be real. But these things... And there are 20 of them, but there are flow triggers that help you create the state to get into this. Mark, just before we go, I just I have just one very simple question. Uh, and it goes back to when you were talking to the kids in, in RTE. When you're down the South Pole, can you describe or can you give me a sense? And I know there were, you were down there with a team, but can you give me a sense of what the South Pole sounded like? Mm. I know it's a very hard question, but was, you know, when you could hear nothing and, you know, I, I presume there are dogs and that and there are people around, but were there moments when you could just hear absolutely nothing? Uh, yes. And that 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 is particular to the South Pole out of the, the Gobi Desert or the Himalayas or even the North, the North Pole. Uh, Antarctica. When you get up onto the polar plateau, there's no, there's no vegetation, no animals, no birds, and there were only other were six other teams, but like they were, you know, we were so spread out. So it was just me and the other two guys, and at times it is really, really windy, and you know you're in your tent and it's sort of, you know, like gale force wind. But my memory of it is clear blue skies, perfectly white, uh, crisp, icy snow underneath. 
and absolutely dead silent. A silence that I don't think I've ever experienced here in, in Ireland. And, and it's inter- very isolated. It's interesting because, of course, when you, I find even, and this is in Ireland, obviously, so even, even much, maybe like 10 times more amplified for you, Mark. But when you're walking in the snow, all your sound cues are gone anyway, and sound feels different. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the, of course, there was, there was, apart from, you know, when we're standing still, it was dead silent. But then the the other, the other sound is we were on cross-country skis. So there was that, that uh, with skins underneath. So. There was that swoosh, swoosh, swoosh. It's just yeah. that sort of rhythm, and uh, you know, you felt, you felt like Tom Crean or Shackleton. You know, we've been reading all the books beforehand, but you sort of felt like you were in the footsteps of them. Of course, they. The, the only difference was there with GPS is when you would get over there, they thought they might drop into the, the Middle Earth. You know, so but it was it was a wild experience. But it was it the nothingness of it was. Is the is the feeling that I've come back with the the, yeah. the the distance that we were away and the nothingness on that sort of central polar plateau? Mark, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, and thanks, Mark. We it's wish brilliant. you a very happy new year, and we hope that at some point, maybe when you've done your research or your your books are coming out, you might come back on the show yeah. and tell us what you discovered. And oh. we'd be delighted to have you back. Cool. It's been good to chat, blind guys. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> thanks, Mark. That was brilliant. He's a fantastic guy. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I hope he'll come back. He is doing this, as as he said, this research project. And I hope he will come back and talk about it uh, when he's Mm. got that completed. And by the way, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I should have said, although she's not gate crashing, uh, (laughs) Darlene Clodagh is on the podcast because, as I said earlier on, uh, Stuart is in the Maldives skiing. But apparently which apparently could be a lie. <laughs> but, uh, we, you know, we love Claude on the show. Yeah. We like having her on the top yeah, of the show yeah, and all the yeah, way yeah, through. Yeah. So you're always welcome to, to join in. I'm, oh, sure. I'm kind Sorry, of gate, yeah, crash- yeah. kind of gate yeah, crashing. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's great. It's great to be here for a little bit longer. It's lovely to listen to you guys chat. I mean, normally I'm sitting okay. in the makeup chair listening oh, to yeah. you. But yeah, according to uh, Stuart. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, hang on. He's just yeah. Sorry, his, Stuart has just emailed in here at the new, new oh new email jingle. Oh, okay. <gasps> oh my God, okay. I'm so excited. Right, well, this I, has been like oh, well over a year coming, isn't it? Download this. Yeah, it's okay. probably two years. Oh, yeah, it probably is. Yeah. Okay. Hang on there. Oh my. Oh, I can't oh, wait to no. hear it. Yeah. Here we go. No. Yeah. Yay. Hang on a second. No, that's not you. Yeah, still we have only 20. Chancer. Thank you, dear Such a mess. He wants to do it. Uh, he wants to do it live next time. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I do love this one, though. Yeah. Gordon yeah. in Scotland. Thank you, everyone. We love you so. Now let's have more email. Go, 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 go. Yeah. Go hello, Clutter. Oh, you're here already. Yes, I'm, I'm here already. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, hello sorry. again. Happy New Year, That's okay. Thanks, Lauren. You're very kind. Thanks, Jan. And cheers eh, with yeah. a glass of champagne, of course. I think some of us are still kind of adjusting to the whole new year, new whatever. But anyway, yeah. we'll get yeah, there. Are we'll you get still there. writing 2022? 
Oh yeah. No, I'm actually oh, good no? at that's one bit I am good at is is converting Ooh. to because I normally like in December I'm normally doing a lot of work around 2023 oh. so I've kind of by the time I get to January I've I'm I'm on on point with that so that's good. Okay. Great. Right. Um Bet but listen, you. guess what I did for the first time ever? Mm. Um you're never going to uh, guess. I'm just I'm just going to tell know. you. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote know. to one of our regular listeners. Oh. Uh, yes, I've never done that before. I've I've replied you are to writing to our listeners. Uh, I, I wrote uh, to the. Okay. I know. Whoa. I did a bit of role reversal. Yeah, I did. Okay. So, There's something about in our contract that we're not supposed to do that. <laughs> is there? Because I don't actually, have a contract. That's actually constituted <laughs> as being a bit of it's, it's work. <laughs> oh, and we is, don't want to oh, work. Right, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I don't God, have a contract, terrible. so I wrote to the lovely Gordon Anthony. Okay. Indeed, the very one, and I said, "Dearest darling, Gordon." Uh, you know, this is me. This is me talking now. So I'm not talking oh, like the blind yeah. guys. I'm yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. like okay, Clodagh. Right? Yeah. Dearest darling Gordon, you know that we love you a lot, right? And we don't mm. like to generalise or be racist here on Blind Guys Chat. <clears throat> racist. <laughs> but <laughs> but apparently, yeah. I've heard that Scottish people have difficulty saying the following phrase: "Purple burglar alarm." Could you help? Could you help purple, disprove purple. this appallingly judgmental and mean assumption wrong? Sorry, prove this appallingly ju- judgmental and I can't even read my own e- emails and mean <laughs> assumption wrong. Thank you. <laughs> now, I signed it off as the blind guys, but it was me and it was clearly me. He knew that. So, oh, oh, <clears throat> okay. so and I just thought, look, I'll send it out. Gordon will be able to tell me, is this just a load of codswallop? And actually, I found um, a piece of audio. Orin, would you play in the piece of audio? Just to, it, It's what triggered this email. Yeah, I, w- I will. I just, I was just laughing there at you saying Codswallop. codswallop. Uh, and does, yeah, no, <laughs> codswallop no, 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 no. Nonsense. No. Better nonsense. Oh, nonsense. Oh, nonsense. Oh, nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. I'll play this, this clip. Yeah, okay. Here we go. Um, there's some Scottish people that kind of say purple burger alarm. 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 Bodgo. He's getting worse. Purple, bodgo. Bod- oh, God, the poor man. Yeah, he's, but that's not Gordon. That's not Gordon. No, 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 no. That's not Gordon. This is, oh, I thought it was. This is a piece <laughs> yeah. of audio that I heard, and I thought I'm going to ask him about it. So purple, purple, I sent him the link to this. And he got back to me and he sent me an email and he said, hello, a happy new year to all the blind guys. All at blind guys. Ah, um, as you. for being unable to say that phrase... I've never had that accusation put to me, but I've never actually come across a purple burglar, burglar alarm. See, I can't say it either. Does that refer to a burglar alarm that is purple or an alarm yeah. which is set off by purple burglars? <laughs> <laughs> As for pronunciation. They're not Smurfs. No, Smurfs no, they are, are blue. blue. Oh, are they blue? They're blue. Oh, yeah. okay. Are they're you colour blind, Or? Yeah. Oh, no, well, you're just blind. And, and the big <laughs> Smurf has a red hat. The, the big Smurf has a red hat, you know. Yeah. Oh, he does. Yeah. Papa Smurf. <laughs> oh, oh, I love Stuart him. Stuart is wearing. Yeah. Is, yeah, is Stuart Papa Gargamel. Smurf? Gargamel. Yeah. Gar- yeah. No, this is great. He's, I he is Gargamel. Uh, I think, or, or uh, I don't know what he is. I think, he, no. Well, we can think about something. Yeah, there's a good one. <laughs> Which well, what was the girl? Okay. Which one was the girl yeah. Smurf? Yeah, that's true. I can't yeah. stop. No, I'm not yeah. saying that. I'm just asking for her name. I can't remember her name. Anyway, we're getting way off track. Anyway, 
Yeah. Um, Gordon no. goes on and he says, as for pronunciation, I'd say that is a sweeping generalisation and I don't think I've got any trouble saying it at all. I'd have more trouble saying, I vote Tory. <laughs> <laughs> I love I him so much. Um, I suspect the claim stems from the fact that Scottish... Did you show a political uh, correct... Uh, I know. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I don't know. But anyway... Um, yeah. I suspect the claim yeah. stems from the fact that <laughs> Scottish English tends to pronounce the letter R, while many English accents drop it completely. Now, here's where I get in trouble because I, Cloda, I have I'm really bad at accents. So, Orin, you might help me out with this. So, in Scotland, we we say more. Mm. How would a Scottish person say more, Orin? More. more. It's more, right? More. So it's very R. While in many parts of England, more. it would sound more, more. like mm. more, or you do more. it in English. Yeah. So where they drop oh, sorry, the R. I have some more. Some more wine yes, okay. over here. See, he's much better at accents than I am. Oh, yeah. Since, since yeah, the phrase purple burglar alarm has oh, yeah. several R's in close proximity, <laughs> I suspect some Eng- Scottish English speakers might stumble a little, but I honestly don't think so. English English speakers are much more likely to have trouble with that old favourite. It's a, oh God, here we go. It's a bra bricht, moonlicht, nicht the nicht. It's a bra nicht. Okay. Bricht. Moonlicht. Moonlicht. Nicht Lichternicht. Okay. Licht. I don't know what that means. Lichternicht. That sounds but even okay. Dutch. Lichternicht. It sounds like Dutch. Yeah. It does, isn't it? Yeah. Lichternicht. Yeah. It's got that lovely, yeah. See, he's saying they'd yeah. have trouble with that since they can't create the guttural sound. You know, the soft ah. sound. And they use a K instead. Okay. Um, I hope this yeah. has put your mind at rest. I can promise you that I could order a purple burglar alarm if I felt the need. <laughs> Cheers, blind Gordon. Perhaps he, he likes so also an orange one. <laughs> an, or, an orange. <laughs> so that's easier to say. But there you go. That's a random email exchange with one of our listeners, and I just thought you might be interested. And uh, purple burglar alarm. Here's another. Yeah. Here's another. Nothing. Nothing related to blind Gordon. But why do yeah. the English say yaws? Yaws. You know, like it's. It's oh yeah, yes. the yaw yes. twenty three rather than it's the year twenty three. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, but I think yeah. it, it's yeah. not just all the English. It's it's the posh the posher people. Oh, you think? Generally, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. With the potato and in wasn't your mouth, res- you know. Yeah, and wasn't there a story about you know the actors who were doing the the crown? Who were the first two? I've forgotten. Claire Foy, oh, Claire and, Foy and um, what's his name? But apparently, Doctor Who. Yeah. yeah, the lad from, mm. I can't remember his name. But anyway, the point is that apparently the dialect coach was saying, just say the things that are at the side of your head, ears. And then just think about yes. So what he, he would go, so he, when he had to say yes as Charles, he would just go, ears. I can't do it. Ears. Which I just think is so funny. So there you go. That's my complete lack of ability with accents. Maybe Blind Gordon should (coughs) write his new book should be on why Scots can't say purple burglar alarm. But he's saying they can and we're just very racist. Well, clearly by that uh, bit of clip audio we played there, they can't. Well, that might be just one lad who can't say it. No, it's all Scots. They can't say it. No. See, and we're not racist. Yeah, we like no, we're, we're not racist, Oren. <laughs> yeah, <we like laughs> and that. we don't generalise, yeah, and you've just nah, disproved that. Not. But anyway, let's move on to an actual email from an actual listener and lovely person by the name of Claire McLaughlin, who we've heard from before oh, here. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So she goes on. She says, "Dear Cloda, Oren, Stuart, and Jan." Well, Stuart's not here because he's skiing in the Maldives. But yeah. Anyway. Well, well, that's uh, true. We pass it on. I, 
yes, we'll we'll give them the message. I hope this email finds you well. I just wanted to let you know that there's an exciting schedule of Seen Unseen events for 2023. Seen Unseen is an art project exploring meaning, meaningful access to arts and culture for the visually impaired community, both in person and online. I'm delighted to tell you that Seen Unseen now reaches three continents. It's oh, amazing, wow. isn't it? Yeah. Wow. So there's a link here, which I shortened because I didn't have the ability to read out a massive two-line link. So I shortened it to tiny URL, Seen Unseen Schedule. And wow. it's Great. no spaces. Okay, so tinyurl.com slash Seen Unseen Schedule. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. That's brilliant. And sh- Claire says, thanks for spreading the word about Scene Unseen. Wishing you all a happy and healthy new year. Uh, right. Best regards, Claire. Thank you, Claire. Mm. Yeah. I was thinking we Thank should get Claire you. on the podcast. We yeah. should, actually. Good, yeah. um, because I have to say, those events are amazing. And in fact, I will tell yeah. you about um, the first couple, just in case. Uh, oh, dear. Now, where do I have it? I may have lost it. No, I have it here. So the first one is coming up um, on the 27th. It's a Friday, the 27th of January. And it's at the Douglas Hyde Gallery, which is part of Trinity College. And in fact, I myself has ex- have exhibited in the Douglas Hyde Gallery many years mm-hmm. ago as part of my, my master's mm, final presentation. Sure, look, yeah. it. you don't know the half of it. But anyway... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the um, so that's on... Friday, uh, January 27th in the Douglas Hyde Gallery. And if you go to that website, tannyrell.com slash scene on scene schedule, you'll see that and you'll be able to get um, details from Claire. I think her um, there's detail, there's links there about that as well. Um, yeah, we should yeah, so I definitely would love to go to that, actually. So that's that's yeah. going in the that's going in the diary. Brilliant. Thank you, Claire. That's good. brilliant. The fact that it's on three yeah. continents now, that's really, that's good. Yeah. That's brilliant. It's fantastic, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So that well, all the emails, yeah? Nothing from uh, our friend in South Africa, you know, Mr. Oh, oh, Gary. Oh, there is one. Mr. There is Holiday one, Oren. Oh. Yeah, Gary, well, Gary Hoflakoff. There is one from Gary, actually. Do we have time? We or will don't. we do it next oh, time? Can we do that yeah. the next I'm time? S- so sorry, Gary. That's my fault. Yeah, we'll do it ah. next time. We'll do it up front next time. I'm so okay, sorry. Okay, That's good. okay, yeah, yeah. Please. We're going. There we're going. We have. No, Thank you very much for listening to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Hopefully, in episode number sixty-one, we will have a Mr. Have Gary uh, yes, back. And if we don't, uh, we're going to have Mr. Gary Huff uh, on yeah. the show for the whole show. Ooh, uh, that'd be great. Nice. His email this time. Anyway, folks, thanks very much for listening. We will see yep. you in two weeks' time. BusyBusyProductions.com